Welcome to the Toxin Terminator, helping people to restore and renew their health by removing the toxins from the home and their lives. Join in as industry thought leaders help you understand the physical and emotional effects these products can have on you and your family, and the safe alternatives you can use to remove the hidden toxins for renewed health. Now, please welcome your host, the Toxin Terminator herself, Amy Carlson. And welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm so glad that you're here. If you are a first-time listener, make sure you're hitting that subscribe button so that you don't miss out on any episodes. We are actually coming to you twice a week now, and I want to make sure that you are getting all that you can and living that toxin-free lifestyle. Now, I'm super excited this week on today's show. We're going to be getting into genomic programming. I have no idea what that is, but I think we're going to find out today. We're going to talk about three different forms of fitness. Did you know there's three different ways? And I'm going to let my guest explain that. And friction. What does that have to do with exercise? But we're going to find out. My next guest has a PhD in sports education leadership with an emphasis on behavior modification. He has a master's in kinesiology. Did I even say that? (laughs) (laughs) We're going to find out what that is too. With an emphasis on exercise leadership, athletic administration, and advanced coaching. He is also a certified personal trainer through National Strength and Conditioning. He is the host of Dr. D's Social Network Podcast and the co-founder of Epic, where they are redefining wellness and the future of amenity-based lifestyle programming. He's got 18 years plus in the fitness and wellness industry. You guys, I love for you to meet Dr. D, Darian Parker. Oh, yeah, baby. We're in the house. Here we go. (laughs) Thanks for coming on this morning. I appreciate it. Yes, it's my pleasure, Amy. I'm very thankful to be on your show today. You bet, you bet. So one of the things I did some research, you really take the health and fitness level to a different area with the behavior modification. And so, you know, I really like to dig into that because that's kind of where I'm feeling your passion and, you know, your level of expertise is all right. Yeah, I believe that uh, much like when people talk about nutrition and, and people will say, oh, well, nutrition is very behavioral. I would say exercise or physical activity, movement, as we get into all those things, mm-hmm. is very behavioral. It's really based off of understanding friction, which we'll talk about, and creating less friction to begin the program. But it's really about what happens up here in your mind first and all of the things and these kind of false narratives that we create in order to not be active for that. And obviously there's a lot of legitimate things going on. Everybody has a variety of circumstances happening in their life, but there are lots of hacks or things you can do to take away those narratives that are keeping you from being active. Awesome. I love the word hack. I'm learning so much more in what I've been doing over the last several months with biohacking. There's exercise hacking. There's, you know, mental hacking. There's so many hacking and hacking is just making something easier, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And especially with exercise or being active because it's something that is counterintuitive to most people. Now, if you look at the history of being active, you know, especially our our ancestors, it was really not a choice of being active. It was survival. It was hunter and gathering. It was you didn't eat unless you were active and you went out bow hunting and you searched for food and you had to be active in migration to move around. 
it wasn't formalized. It was just part of our living. But now, because living has become so much easier, generally speaking, that now we have to actually think about being active. It has become structured a little bit more. So I look forward to jumping in a little bit about that too. Well, absolutely. Because yeah, life has certainly changed over the past, you know, thousands of years and we just don't live the same way that we did. So in my introduction, I totally butchered, what is it? Kinesiology? Kinesiology. Yes. The study of human movement. Easy enough. I remember, oh my word, years ago, did you ever hear of Kosama? No, never heard of it. Okay. So they were like these fitness centers that did like these 10, 12 week body transformation things. Mm -hmm. And isn't that, and that would have been, oh, at least 10 years ago, at least. Hmm. And they had, oh, it was kinetic tape. Is that, am I saying that right? Kinesio taping and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So is that kind of corresponding with that whole movement thing? It was putting the tape in certain places on your body and helping. Yeah. You know, I actually am not, that's a lot of athletic training. And so a lot of athletic trainers use that with athletes in terms of like injuries and things that, that well, I'm not too versed okay. on that. It's not necessarily my area. So I don't generally <laughs> speak on things I don't know a ton about. <laughs> I'm not, sometimes people just make stuff up. I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm not completely <laughs> versed in that. We did. <laughs> it just, that is the only thing that resonated with me, yeah. you know, when I said that word. So genomic programming, that was so new to me and checking things out. I, I'd really love to hear more about what that is and how we can utilize that in our life. Yeah. So probably about almost two years ago now, I was introduced to DNA testing for health and wellness. And I thought, oh, this is pretty interesting, you know, and the representative I was talking to from a company was, they were a registered dietitian and they were talking about genomic programming, basically looking at gene expressions and that scientists are testing these certain gene expressions for things such as like recovery time, muscle fiber type, nutritional deficiencies, when you would be more optimal for exercising, you know, time of day, all that stuff. And I said, wow, this is interesting. And the overarching theme is that essentially genomic programming helps to decrease the margin of error. So when you eat something, you don't necessarily know if there is a genetic deficiency that you have for that. How would you know that? You don't know. You'd have to get tested for it. You may, let's say, vitamin D, right? Say we need vitamin D. You may say, oh, well, I get outside and I get a lot of vitamin D, I get sunlight, the whole thing. But genetically, you may not be able to actually metabolize that properly to get the benefits from it for your skin because of enzyme reaction in your body. How would you know that? You know, so you might need to have some additional help in order for that to happen. So same thing with fitness and wellness is you may be doing a program where you're, let's say you're running all the time. And let's, you know, there you go. This is for you, Amy. You're running all the time. (laughs) I'm a runner. (laughs) And you're not aware of basically, is that the right activity for you based off of your genetics? Or how often are you running? Do you need more rest time between workouts? Which, you know, and a lot of what we do in exercise, especially with exercise and science, is learning about the body and how it responds to physical activity. Okay. Or being active. And no person can tell you, no professional can tell you, any person, that they know how you're going to respond completely to adding in a stimulus of exercise. They can't tell you, I know you're going to lose this much weight. I know you're going to get this strong. 
nobody could tell you that because each person's response to exercise is completely individualized. So I love that that's your thought process because I think so many times we're looking for, well, this has worked for this person or that's worked for this person. And there's so many of these one size fits all. <laughs> uh, so it sounds like the genomic programming really gets very specific to you. Yeah, I think that's where we're headed in my field, which is individualized or personalized prescription for your health and wellness programming. And I think that's where we need to go because too many times we're saying, or people are, let's say, they're going on YouTube or they're going on Instagram, whatever they're going, search engines, and they're finding workouts. And they go, I'm going to do that workout. Right. Okay, well, that person doesn't know who you are. Right. They're designing something on a, they're just scaling it. A lot of professionals, all they try to do is scale stuff so they can make a lot of money. Right. But scaling does not equal personalization. Right. So I can give 10 people that same workout and they'll respond in 10 different ways. Some people, it'll be extremely effective. And for some people, it will not be effective at all. And then, yeah, right, there's been tons of research. I mean, longitudinal studies, 30, 40 years with twins yeah. and family members that indicate that you can, there's one great one on VO2 max with your ability to consume oxygen. I mean, giving people, all these people, the same test, all the variables are controlled for, and one person might improve 97% and the other person improves 0%. Right. Right. So nobody could tell you that the response to exercise is going to be certain. We just don't know. So genomic program is just a way to help decrease the margin of error in that. So how do you go about that testing? What does that entail? So basically, there's a tremendous amount of DNA testing companies now. The market is saturated oh, with yeah. it. I mean, it's, it's literally, and there's a lot of bad ones too. It's like stuff for your pet testing and weird like celebrity DNA testing. It's like weird stuff. Yeah. But there are a lot of reputable companies. One, actually, my company is partnered with DNA Fit out of London. We've researched an entire year through a ton of companies and basically decided to partner with you know one that we thought was really reputable, mm -hmm. really science-based. And it's very simple. They basically send you a kit, you do a cotton swab in your mouth, mm -hmm. and uh, you send it back. And then they analyze the gene expressions that they have in the laboratory for that. And then they send you back the report that has all the results for it. It's a pretty cool report that just, again, it just says, hey, maybe it just reinforces what you already knew about yourself, that you're not a morning exerciser. You know, or that you are an evening exerciser. It just confirms those things, you know. That is so interesting to see that a test actually tells us that, which, like you said, you might already kind of feel that yes. yourself, but then to actually get that. So is this real? Well, because I've had testing done to test food sensitivities and how my body processes carbohydrates and fats and, yeah. you know, that type of thing. Is this going to be something kind of similar? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's very similar to that. And a lot of companies, they'll have specific tests like just a fitness-based one, right. just a nutritional diet one. Then they have like a combination one. There's ones that have like a really large testing where it's like sleep, nutrition, then fitness. And it's a very comprehensive testing. Some do blood analyzation with it as well. Depends on the company that you're with. Okay. And then there's usually, well, some companies have follow-ups with basically like a coach will read your results and they'll give you some ideas or advice for how to move forward after you get the report. Because we know like with anything, again, I kind of compare it to 
somebody looking on the internet for a workout program. Yes, you can do that. But what happens after that? Right. What's the follow-up? How do you continue to move forward and progress? How do you continue to improve? I mean, you can give anybody anything. Doesn't mean they're going to do it. (laughs) And I think that's going to get into the whole friction side when we get down to that. Yes. Let me ask you then, is the genomic programming, is that something that might change over time to say like, you know, as we get older, is that something that's going to be modified or is that gene expression going to be the same no matter what age you are? From my understanding, I believe your genes are your genes. Okay. There's very little change on a DNA level for people. So okay. they will be that. But I think the future of it is just really being hypersensitive, digging down even further into it. As I think you just see more merging of humans and technology coming together. I love, And we're seeing that with, you know, Fitbits and all that stuff and watches. And I think I've said this before in other podcasts, I think the phone's going to go away at some point and that'll be merged with your own body at some point down the line. It sounds science fiction, but so was talking to somebody in FaceTime. I mean, I remember watching Back to the Future and thinking, wow, the guy's talking to somebody yeah. on a screen. Yeah. That happens all the time now. Yeah. So you never know. Movies oh. are a good way to see in the future. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, we, we can go down a rabbit hole with that one. <laughs> you know, absolutely. So, well, let's talk about, because, you know, when you and I visited before, we talked about three different forms. I said a fitness. We mm-hmm. can call it, you know, something else, but I had no idea. Tell us what those are. Yeah, I was on a podcast yesterday talking about it. And I think the reaction to this is staggering to a lot of people. It's not going to sound complicated, but I think it's going to sound very, it's eye-opening when explained this way. So I first really ran into it kind of individually, like through my academic studies, and then really was reinforced through Dwayne Wimmer, who's a very well-respected gym owner and basically kind of a really big public figure in the fitness and wellness industry. Okay, He was on my podcast and we were talking about it. And we were talking about three different ways of being active, which is one exercising, one being physically active, and one moving. Now, anybody listen to this and be like, that's the same thing. They're probably like, we're just saying the same thing. (laughs) No. You're just saying it three different ways so somebody will like it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I want to open people's eyes to this. Like, exercise, physical activity, and movement are not the same thing. They are not the same thing. And through the course of your life, you may be switching in and out of all these things. So I think it's good to operationally define these things. Okay. Exercise essentially is creating a stimulus that your body is not used to. It's uncomfortable. And so for person listening, maybe you got on, let's say a treadmill. Mm -hmm. The first time you got on a treadmill, you were huffing and puffing. Oh my gosh, this is way real hard. The first time you ran on the road and it was really difficult, you were exercising because you were introducing a stimulus you weren't used to and caused your body to change. Okay. Now, physical activity is what happens when maybe you started out exercising, you had a stimulus, but then what happens is when that stimulus, you no longer are providing an uncomfortable stimulus to your body and it gets easy to you, and you could just do it over and over again. So this is now with the treadmill analogy, somebody's on that treadmill, let's say they started out at six miles an hour on there, one person inclined, it was horrible the first time they did it the first couple times. Then that became really easy and they never changed the parameters. They just kept doing, or they were running a nine minute mile and it was horrible the first time and then they started getting easy to them. Mm -hmm. They switched from exercise 
to physical activity. Okay. The lack of stimulus was just gone at that point. Then movement is essentially just moving around. So you're actually, you get out of your house, you walk around, you move around the kitchen, you get up from your desk. That is movement. It's really a sub-level of, there's no stimulus. It's almost a sub-level of physical activity. There's really no skill involved in it. It's just moving your body around. Okay. So oftentimes when people go to a gym or they work out, they say, well, I exercised today. And I'm like, is that true? <laughs> like, was there an, a stimulus introduced that was greater than what your body's physiological response is used to? Or were you just doing a skill or activity you were used to doing and you kept the variables the same? Or did you just go to the gym and walk around and talk to a lot of people and just kind of move and social, the socializing person that goes to this place, you know? I see now, that. If you listen to this, you're one of these people. You know you are. So now <laughs> I've defined it for you and you know what you're actually doing. And there are, oh my word, you know, and I think I was one of those people a long time ago where, you know, hey, but you know what? Sometimes you just got to start somewhere, right? Sometimes you just got to get your foot in that door. Yes. And that might be that first step that you don't do anything else but walk in the place, you know, and then the next time you go, you actually start doing something. <laughs> and I want to I want to clear this up too. I'm not saying that any of these is bad right. at all. Like if your goal is just to move around more often because you're sedentary and you just want to just get up, your watch tells you to get up and move around a little bit more, fine. If that's your goal, good. We need more movement in this world. We definitely, if you want to be more physically active, let's say you play pickleball or something and you know, it's a great activity to play as you get older and stuff. And it was exercise initially because it was tough. And now you just kind of do it to hit the ball around and great. And if you want to exercise, if you want to get the most benefit out of exercise and you really want to improve each time and you want to push your cardiovascular, respiratory system, muscular strength, endurance, exercise is your way to go. But all of those are good. I'm not saying bad. It's just which one of them are you doing, actually? Right. Defining what that is. Yeah. I was just reading a study by, have you heard of Blue Zones? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I was just reading a study where they were talking about movement and that what they found in these communities that are have more centurions in them is they are moving. It's not activity or exercise, but they are moving all day long. They are not sedentary and that is absolutely prolonging their life. Would you, you know, do you agree with that analysis? I do. I do. I love the blue zones. I, my wife and I, we really looked into it many years ago mm -hmm. and there's certain aspects of it that I definitely follow myself. But I think from that, my biggest takeaway from the Blue Zones, one is movement. There's a lot of movement because there's a lot of walking around villages and stuff, lack of transportation. So people are moving. Right. You know, they may be not, maybe not, they're not structured exercise, but I'm not saying you even need to exercise per right. se and like, and you need physical activity. You just start with movement. I'm just saying, if you're looking to like get in like really tremendous condition, like you want to train like an athlete, which is what a lot of people are trying to do today. You got to get uncomfortable to do that. It's not, you can't just do the same thing every time. But a big part of that Blue Zones too was the community. Yes. I think in Okinawa, it was like Ikigaiwa or something, or I'm hacking it up, but it's like their community that these people grow up together. They are friends for their life. Yes. And so their social unit is what I took. And also eating to your 80% full, not stuffing yourself, the whole thing. 
think there's a huge component to that. Yeah, the Mediterranean diet. I mean, I only talked about the movement part, but people can check out Blue Zones. I mean, they it's have amazing. article. Community is a huge thing they talk about. And I know when you're talking behavior, that probably is something that resonates with you because when we're alone, I just saw somebody had a deal on this. Oh, it was a friend of mine. Her dad had a stroke a year ago. I know I'm getting off tangent. This is That's how we okay. roll here. <laughs> I love that. I'm all about it. Her dad had a stroke and was very isolated because physically he was incapable of getting out and moving around for mobility reasons. And she finally was able to introduce social media to him. She got him an iPad and showed him how to use it and got him an account on Facebook. And he, you can tell there is a night and day difference, even though it's not physically with him and in him, he's able to interact with his family that's not nearby. He's able to interact with friends that he can't get out and go see. And it has made a night and day difference with his overall health and happiness. You can just see a complete difference in him. I think it's critical. I think it's actually a good tangent because when you talk about being active, a lot of times people will say, you know, I want to, I want to lose weight or I want to get you know, whatever version of fitter, I want to get more flexible. I want to have more cardiovascular endurance. And when I work with people, I have to say, well, what's the stress level in your life? <laughs> you know, who are the people around you? I'm saying, because honestly, that's going to greatly impact the results of your program. And they're always like, well, I thought it was like nutrition and the exercise component, you know, hard work. I was like, yeah, there's part of it. Mm-hmm. But this is a multifactorial aspect. You can't get in better condition without really like really good condition where like your mind and your body are syncing together. Unless you have less stress in your life, you have great sleep habits, you have good eating habits, and then you have a really good exercise program or physical activity or movement program. All those things are together. So often people are looking at being active Mm -hmm. as their one way. This is my one shot. I need a trainer. I need to go to the gym. I'm like, yes, you do. But there are many other factors related to this. Are you ready to tackle all of those factors? Okay. Well, let's talk about stress. Let's, you know, if that's okay, because we all deal with it. We all have, you know, stress. I have to, I always am catching myself to consciously pull my shoulders back and down, you know, because you get hunched over, you get pulled, you know, you find them pulling up closer to your ears and I'm conscious of my body. So I'm aware, you know, to do these things, but sometimes we're not even aware of the stresses that we have in our life. And I believe In my opinion, we have more stresses that we put upon ourselves and society puts upon ourselves than we've ever had. And how do you give me like some top three? What are some kind of top three things that, you know, you would say, you know, if you start doing some of these kinds of things, you're going to find that it'll help alleviate that because it doesn't make it go away. It just helps you deal with it better. Is that? Yeah, I think I think this is I don't know that I've ever talked about this before like on a larger public forum with clients and stuff I have, but I think it's appropriate is I think we're coming into an age where spirituality is a lot of people are having spiritual awakenings right now. And mm-hmm. whatever that may be whether it's, you know, religious or more universal in the mm-hmm. spiritual aspect, people are more open to it whether that to them is yoga or it's meditation or it's religion is 
for me, I think part of the biggest aspect of the changes you're going to have in your life, what do you believe in? Mm-hmm. You know, or do you have anything that's bigger than yourself that centers you? Mm-hmm. If you're just flailing about and you got nothing that keeps you centered, it's going to be hard to have good results and exercise. And I said that and I mean it. <laughs> I was like, it's, you need to be grounded in something or you'd be grounded in a lot of nothing. And ah. Again, whether that is whatever form of spirituality that you are into or that you're discovering, you need to have a place, a sanctuary, something that will keep you grounded and will, because there's just going to be stress as part of life. I mean, suffering, difficult times, you cannot avoid it. It is just part of your existence. The other thing is, I think this is also going to sound really different is where do you live? Mm -hmm. Your zip code health is a real thing. And there's a tremendous amount of research that is building a wall of literature building about where you live has a big, dictates greatly on your health and wellness status. Big time. Let's talk about that. So what is Zip code health is unbelievable. So what is it saying? Is it like, is it rule versus? Yes. Okay. Yes. Essentially all those, like if you're in more rural environments, so you live near the water, you're near the beach, are you in the mountains? We are nature driven people. Whether you believe this or not, we are tremendous. Why are we all pulled towards the beach, towards the water? Yeah. Water is inherently part of us. Energy. We're energy, you know, like, and we know that people who are more in like coastal areas Mm -hmm. versus interior areas or more in your scenic mountain areas, people are more active. Yeah. Go to Denver, Colorado. The place is teeming with people being busy. Yeah. Go to Laguna Beach. Yep. You know, go to anywhere where there's water. People are outside or the weather is better when there's not so much snow or inclement weather. Zip code health is real. And I'm not saying you can migrate, you know, you just don't just get up and leave. There's a lot of factors, but <laughs> what <laughs> are you thinking about where you live? Is where you live contributing to your lack of being active? So let's talk about then what, so say you're some, because I'm all about solutions, right? Mm-hmm. And I think this is big because I see all kinds of studies in my world, you know, with this. So say you're someone who I can't visit the coast. Mm-hmm. I am in a lifestyle that doesn't allow me to do that. I live inner city, yep. you know, it's all brick and mortar around me. Let's talk about how you can introduce green spaces to your life and get some of that in energy that you need from nature. Yeah, I think my wife would be all about this conversation. She's <laughs> huge in this, but introducing it into your home. Mm-hmm. You know, you see a lot of architecture now is based off of that putting green-based murals yep. inside people's homes. Plants is a very simple one. Put plants in your house, you know. You know, we have windows in your house, open your windows, you know, don't have the blinds down all the time. Get some sun. Have natural light coming into your home on a regular basis. Yep. I think those things can create like near the water or sounds, adding sounds, whether it's sounds of the ocean, you know. We have the internet, people. We have like Alexa (laughs) and we have Echo Dots. You can literally create environments. Just say, hey, Alexa, turn on a sound of water. You know, I'm like... My niece who's huge into yoga, introduced me to a pair of shoes. And I encourage you, if you don't live in an environment or even a cold, you know, well, I don't know, cold, but darn if I can remember what they're called, but they're grounding shoes. So they're a sandal that have copper plugs in them, as well as in the threads of the straps that come around the top of your feet, there is 
silver in it so that you're actually picking up the energy from the ground. So when you're going out walking and there's a science behind grounding and I encourage our listeners to check it out Mm -hmm. because even 10 minutes of getting your feet on the ground, you know, is huge to physically grounding yourself. You're talking about spiritually, you know, you can, if you're a spiritual universe type person, that is something that we need to do. Yeah, no, I think it's, there's just a lot of things out there. This exercise or being active is multifactorial. And so you being a person is multifactorial. It's environmental wellness, it's spiritual wellness, occupational, mental, physical, social. Mm-hmm. Who are the people you're around? Oh. Are they focusing on your well-being or are they dragging you down? Like we know, we know that people who are, let's say, trying to lose weight, mm. if they're around a bunch of other people who are basically not encouraging them to have healthy habits bringing them down, they're less likely to lose weight for that. Absolutely. But if you're around like a lot of other people that you, let's say you're in a place, you see people walk, like where I'm at, Washington State, you know, rains a lot here. That doesn't stop people from walking outside. Mm -hmm. You just put a jacket on and you walk. I walked my dog outside in the downpour yesterday. (laughs) You know, it's all about stopping yourself. People stop themselves so much. They say, I want to do, I want something that is easy. People want things easily done and they want them to get this great result easy. That's not life. Life is not easy. Being active definitely isn't easy. It's not always fun. That's a big myth that exercise is supposed to be entertainment for you. What? It's not. It's not. It's hard. You just have to deal with it. It's hard. (laughs) Well, it has to be a choice. It has to be a choice. You know, when I'm coaching with people and they say, I don't have time, I don't have this, I don't have the money, I don't have, and I'm like, wait, 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 stop right there. What I want you to say, instead of I don't have time, I don't have, you know, I want you to say my health is not a priority Mm -hmm. because that's what you're choosing. Yeah, that's powerful, Amy. It's like, it's not, you know, I always tell people, I'm like, would you show up to your session all the time if I gave you $1,000 every time? Of course you would. <laughs> yeah. Why? But what's the priority here, right? Because if there was money, a bunch of money on the line that you were getting to be active, what would that say about you Right. for that? And for one point is there is no money on the line. You're forking the money out yourself generally for that. But there is money on the line. There is money on the line because- Right, in that sense, yeah. Your overall health- is money in the bank. Sure. When you're not spending money going to the doctor, when you're not paying co-pays, when you're not buying the prescriptions every single month, you know, because your health has improved, it is money in the bank for you. I would agree with that. I think a lot of people though don't choose to view it that way. You know, they wait till they get sick and then they have all these bills. And I'm like, listen, you know, people have a hard time with kind of this well, long-term thing. Well, yeah, if I did get sick, I'll deal with it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just such a backwards. The investment in your health and wellness is one of the greatest investments that you can make for yourself. And I, I know you've heard this before. I'm sure you've heard it most of the time. That's why I think it's so behavioral. Yes, It's not just willpower. I'm just not strong enough to do it. It's tackling all of the issues related to being a human being. Mm-hmm. And then, but the great thing about it is it's compounding interest. Once you're active regularly, you get these tremendous long-term benefits that people who start and stop do not receive. Exactly. Exactly. No longer and being active. So that leads us to, you know, the friction. Yes. You know, 
what is friction and what do we do with it? So, you know, friction to me is kind of like, I don't know if you've ever heard of that whole like nudging. There's a lot of science behind nudging things, you know, like our society has become very big into nudging and almost without people knowing it's happening to them. So like if you're watching a show on Netflix, it nudges you to just move to the next episode without you doing anything. It just says next episode will start in like 10 seconds type of thing, you know, or one of the biggest nudges on with evidence and science is basically like 401k plans where like employers will automatically sign you up for it because they know when you give the employer the choice to sign up, they generally don't. Right. So they say, hey, we're going to do this for you because we know you probably won't do it yourself type of thing. Right. And friction is kind of a similar thing with being active is saying, hey, let's do things that create less friction for you to make bad decisions <laughs> about it. Or right. So it's saying like, hey, like you're like, oh, I want to go and work out today. Well, what's the friction? Is it that you are working nine to five and maybe your gym is, you know, 30 minutes away? you need to create less friction. Is there a gym that's like 10 minutes away? Mm-hmm. Is there a gym that's five minutes away? Because if there's something closer, you're more than likely to go to that right. versus the one that's further away. Or do you keep your exercise, your workout clothes in your car so that you could change to those clothes right when you get out of work or right at work so that you're already kind of in the mode right. for that? Right. Do you have things with you that push you towards doing the activity. Right. So creating less friction will more than likely help you get there. Because a lot of what working out is, is just getting to the place you need to go to. Just being there, you know? Yeah, it's a mental thing. I mean, in every aspect of the word, you know, it's mental to make that choice to make it a priority in your life. It's mental in realizing your body can do way more than what we give it credit to do. You know, mentally, we stop our body from performing at its peak. Oh, yeah. You know, many times. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. And what the friction thing, too, is like, think about a lot of gyms, like a lot of large commercial gyms offer childcare. Yeah. They do that to create less friction so that you won't say, I have a kid, I can't show up. They go, no, no, let's take away that (laughs) friction point. So what if we took away the kid thing? And what if we took away, you know, even some hotels now, they rent you exercise clothes. You forgot shoes. No problem. Take away the kids, take away the shoes, the clothes. What is the issue now? Yeah. Really, a good program takes away all the friction and makes you face yourself and say, you know what the problem is? It's not that you have children. It's not that you didn't have exercise clothes and whatever. Problem is you. Yeah. You're the problem. You need to look at yourself (laughs) and you need to say, hey, this comes back to me. And that's anything in life. Yep. You get upset at people. You want to blame everybody else except yourself for stuff. Mm. You got to look at yourself. Are you the friction point? You're the reason why you're not working out, not the other external things that are going on. So my focus always with people is like, let's try to create as less friction as possible so we can get back to you. Are you the reason things are happening that are not happening for you? I love that. I think that is so profound. And, you know, knowing that, you know, you don't have control over anything external, period, end of story. The only thing you can change is you, what you do, what you say, you know, what you think. Yeah, you generally control you. So it's like, 
But people, when they have a lot of tentacles in their life of things going on, they go, I can't work out because of my job, because I have two kids, because, you know, I I forgot this. I don't have the headphones I need. I'm like, let's take that away. Let's let's create a system where those things are taken care of so that that is gone. But you know what happens when we take those away and you got to face yourself. Oh, that's That's scary. That's scary. Then you say, maybe I'm not being active because it's me. Yeah. Then we can finally get to facing yourself and then we can start doing things. Like one of the other things, like as a trainer, I've learned this over years. I overschedule people all the time. If they'll say, oh, I want to work out twice a week. I'm like, okay, why don't you schedule three sessions a week? I'm not doing this for me to make more money. I just know human behavior. The odds of you canceling here and there are pretty high. <laughs> so if you cancel one of those, at least we'll have two. Right. But if we have two and you cancel one, you're going to have one session. Yeah. If you work out once a week and you cancel, there goes two weeks right. like that. Right. I'm trying to help you have less friction yep. and keep you consistent on that. And that's behavior. Let's go to the other side. I like to, because I believe that when we get those wins, when we get those results and the wins, it becomes much easier to make those better choices to reduce that friction. You know, when you have the results, you, you're wiping those friction points away. So let's talk about and give some people some insight. What, when you get to you, you Mm -hmm. get down to that core and you get to that person and your experience in working with people, tell us some results. Give us a story, if you will, of someone who dug in deep and got into themselves and pulled all that stuff away. And what did they, what were the results for them? Yeah, I think I will definitely tell you someone. I think definitely the biggest result is consistency. For some people, they've never been consistent in anything in their life ever. Okay. And I would say, I don't think she'll mind, but one of my clients that I've had for the last couple of years, when she came to me through my live virtual service, she said, I've never stayed consistent with exercise my entire life. She's in her 40s. And she said, I just, I will start for two or three months and then I'll drop off for like a year and this and that. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. And so she's telling me, she's like, that's really my main thing. I will get better if I'm consistent. So I said, okay, well, my sir put it out. I'm just telling you, just as part of it. But I said, what are your friction points? She said, well, I have two kids and I, they're home with me a lot. And then I have to take them to school here and there. And she said, my husband travels all the time. I said, okay. And she said, but I do live by the beach and stuff. I'm like, that's good because you're getting that, you know, the water and the nature. And she said, I'm doing errands all the time and taking things back, this and that here and there. She said, I just feel like I have a lot of things going against me and this and that, people visiting her a lot. I said, well, here's the thing. The friction we're going to create is we're going to take away, her idea is that you have to exercise for an hour. That was like her whole thing. And I said, no, let's do 30 minutes. Most people can do 30 minutes teaches you time management. Most people are not late for a 30-minute session, but they'll be late for an hour session all the time. They don't want any part of that. So we'll drop it to 30. We'll overschedule you. And we did all the things that I do with people to create the friction. So what happened was, to make a long story short, she became the most consistent she's ever been in her entire life. And because we're doing it virtually in the live situation, she was able to be at home. She didn't want to go to gyms anymore. She wanted to just be at home so that she could basically go from walking her kids to school, come right back to her house and work out. So for the last two years, she's averaged four or five times a week of training with me, super consistent, the longest stretch she's ever had in her life. She's stronger than ever. She's better than ever. And now 
it has turned where like working out for her is a non-negotiable. When it becomes a non-negotiable, you've made it. There you go. Where no matter what happens in your life, this will happen. You will work out. You, whatever that is, exercise, <laughs> physical activity, movement, you will do that. And that's the turning point for people. And the result of that is for me, and I think you can probably attest to that too, is that when we are active, we move, we exercise, whatever you choose to do, it resonates in every other area of your life. You know, because when you, you're sleeping better, you have more energy, you're more focused, you feel better about your body. So your energy is just stronger. When you go out and look at the most successful people in the world, they all have some sort of fitness program that they follow, wouldn't you say? I would say a lot of people who are very successful, whatever success means in their eyes, is uh, <laughs> that they're they definitely is an important part of their lifestyle, yeah. which is being active yeah. and whatever that means, whether they're cyclists or they love to yeah. you know, lift weights or whatever it may be. You know, I think it's easy to say, just do it. You know, you should want to do it, have this willpower. It's not enough. It's really like examining the different aspects of your life. What are the friction points? And then determining what's the best entry point. Is the best entry point for you to go right into exercise? You know, like really just, hey, let's just go for it. You know, like, yeah. or is it just starting with movement, mm -hmm. moving into physical activity and then say, I'm ready to step up. In the end, it's really about readiness. Yeah. For a lot of my clients and people that I've met throughout my life and my observational mm -hmm. data is the person has to be ready. You can tell somebody, we can stay this all day long on here. Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to hear this and be like, I should be doing that. And they're not going to do it. Yeah. It's the readiness. Are they ready? I know when somebody's ready because... Man, they'll do anything to not cancel yeah. anything. Yeah. They will move their entire life to make sure that they work out. But then the weird thing is then people look at them weirdly and go, well, you just cancel it. You got all this stuff going on. I'm like, they haven't reached that non-negotiable point. And when you get to that point, you understand that like your health and your wellness of being active is at the top of your lifestyle, right. not at the bottom, something you do when you get a chance to type of thing. And <laughs> exactly. so you got to move up the stages of understanding when that becomes important to you. And I can't do that for you. You can't do that for them. They have to get to that point where they can provide information and then they need to start moving in that direction slowly. Yeah. It's basically the, you know, contemplation, pre-contemplation, all that trans-theoretical model. It's how you're moving through that to get to that point. And some people, honestly, will just never get to it. That's the other truth about it is some people are going to be like, yeah. I want no part of that. <laughs> I don't care about it. There's just the truth. Not yeah. everybody's going to be into it. You know, it's like as proof by that, the data is staggering. You know, we used to say that 20% of the population exercises regularly. And now we know that that's actually probably in the 10% or below, actually, at this point. Isn't that? It's mind-blowing. And we wonder why one out of every two adults has a chronic illness. Yeah, and it's getting worse you know? too, hmm. you know, so. <laughs> How about that number? You know, that's just I incredible to me. So what a great way to kind of start wrapping up this session with you here. I want to make sure that our listeners are able to get a hold of you. So what would be kind of the best ways for, if somebody says, I really like what you have to say and I really want to start following you, maybe check into your services, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, I think just personally getting in contact with me, you know, Darian Parker at gmail.com. So Darian, D-A-R-I-A-N, then Parker, P-A-R-K-E-R -E 
at gmail.com. It's my first and last name. Gmail gave me, I was able to get that one. It was good. And, um, <laughs> and then on LinkedIn, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm not a big social media guy. I'm really just focused on one or two things at a time in my life. And so essentially LinkedIn is kind of where I play primarily and okay. meet a lot of other professionals. And so it's easy to find me on there. I'm pretty regularly posting things on there. And then the other thing is with my spa fitness and consulting and management company, it's Epic Leisure Management. And we are at www.elmadventures.com. And again, focusing on helping operators, developers, country club GMs to get the concept design development of their health and wellness amenity. And ultimately, the goal is turnkey operations are running that operation for them so that they can get a lot of usage and a lot of value out of it. And it's fantastic. I encourage everybody to check that out and see what you guys are doing in that wellness industry, you know, spas and hotels and that type of thing, really creating a great experience for the user. I absolutely love it. Um, Dr. D, is there anything you want for final thoughts as we wrap up here? You know, just that I think with exercise or physical activity or movement. I want people to take that away. Start really understanding what you're doing. Mm -hmm. All of those things are good, but I think it will help you to visualize and understand how you want to enter being active. Because I think sometimes people think I got to go from zero to a hundred. I need to go and start pounding the pavement and go do something really extreme. No, I am just saying that there's different levels of it, but how you start is totally how you want to enter. What is your entry point? But in anything in life, you should know what you're getting into and whatever you do in life. Don't just like get into something. And I don't, I didn't know it was like that. <laughs> you know, like we do that way too much. We're like, well, I didn't know. They didn't tell me. I'm like, I'm telling you, like know what you're getting into and you'll have a better perspective about it for that. Absolutely. And the last thing I would say, just one, Amy's an awesome host, by the way, guys, she's really awesome. We've had a great conversation. Please check her out. And I also have my own podcast, Dr. D's Social Network on all available podcast outlets. And I love that podcasters help each other, interview each other and are there for each other. And that's a good message for people in general. Thank you so much. I appreciate your kind words. I am so grateful that you came on and were able to share some really helpful insight to our listeners. So thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you very much. That's all for this episode of The Toxin Terminator. And we hope we've helped you remove the hidden toxins in your life for renewed health. If you're looking to continue your journey towards full rejuvenation, reach out to Amy directly by visiting amycarlson.com for your own one-on-one chat session, as well as your free toxic risk assessment. That's A-I-M-E-E carlson.com. And remember, you are just one small change away from renewed health.